Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Ian Ethop Ella, Part 2. If you're just tuning in now without having listened to part one of this episode, I'd recommend that you have a listen back to that part before listening to this one. Uh, in the previous episode, I spoke about the week in education where the NCSE tried to dump their responsibilities onto schools. I uh, talked about um, the various responses to that and in part two, I'll be continuing in that vein. So let's get on with it and let's get into Ain F up Ella, the second part. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshot.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education to have a look. If you like this episode or any of the other episodes, please consider leaving a review because it helps other people find it more easily. Now, I spoke in the previous part about the it's an instant or the initial reaction to this AON, AON debacle, but by Tuesday a number of politicians had announced that they were going to be asking questions of government on this issue. Gary Gannon started off by coming out with a statement which he released on his uh, website and on Twitter account, and Dunkha O'Leary went one step further and asked an actual question in the doll. Now I won't bother playing you the full interaction because all you need to know could be heard in Dara Kaliri's response, which I played in the first part. And by the way, just in case you're wondering why was Dara Kaliri responding, I have no idea why he was the one responding rather than Josepha Madigan. And he was reading his response, which says to me he has absolutely no idea what's going on. And the script was probably written by some civil servant who equally has no idea what goes on in schools. I guess at this stage, seeing as five days had passed since the information note, you might be wondering what were all the stakeholders saying about this matter? Well, the answer is quite simple. To be honest, they were just playing catch-up. They had missed the boat. A number of teachers had spoken about their experience of contacting the various uh, representative bodies and stakeholders, and according to one Twitter user, the CPSMA were none too sympathetic and said the principal really had no choice and more or less should get on with it, according to that user. The IPPN were also contacted several times too, and they finally came out with a statement on Wednesday. It kind of reminded me of the Simpsons episode where they played back a video on, on the Simpsons. I can't actually remember what the episode was, but it was Richard Nixon uh, when he was trying to get vote, uh, when he was trying to get elected uh, up against, I presume it was uh, uh, Kennedy, and he, he was like, "I also would like to express my fondness for that particular brand of beer." Um, in, in this case, uh, they were uh, saying, "I would like to express my anger for that particular NCSE." idea. Now, I don't know if I'll bother reading their press release because it's 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 a bit weak, but uh, bear with me and I might get to it. And to be honest, 
anyone that really publicly responded after Tuesday, in my opinion, kind of reeked of trying to hop on a bandwagon that had already left. And one of those was the politician, Labour politician, Aon Reardon, who tweeted the following. I'm only making that bit up. Coming up for air after days of talking to exacerbated principals and teachers regarding their new requirement from the NCSE to carry out assessments of need. That's not a very good impression of Aon Reardon. It's just... I have to put voices on people so they don't know it's me. Um, and he carries on. This is absolutely not going to work. And Josepha Madigan, who was tagged, needs to intervene immediately to row this back. I'm sorry, but to be honest with you, I don't believe a word of that. I don't believe a word of it. And the reason for my scepticism of, of Aon here, because he, as, as anyone who follows Aon or Reardon on Twitter, he pretty much live tweets his thoughts all the time. So I scrolled through his dozens and dozens of tweets over the previous five days and there wasn't a single mention of it. You know, some of you might say, ah, come on now, Simon. You know, he did make a statement and he did get Ivana Batchik to ask questions in the door the next day. And that's fair enough. And I'm probably letting my bias show here because I suppose he's yet to acknowledge his role in, I guess, back in 2015 when he was responsible for education uh, in keeping Section 37 of the Employment Equality Act in place, which still allows many minorities to be disciplined for simply being a minority. I am one such person. And when I expressed this to him, I guess he, um, he didn't react very well. And, you know, that's the problem, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I am affected by an, a law which allows for schools to discipline teachers for being a minority. When the uh, Labour Party were in, uh, were in government, um, an amendment was made, I mean, there, it, it, there, was, a, there was a kind of a, a, an amendment made to the um, to this equality law that if you were uh, LGBT plus, you couldn't be fired uh, from a school on the basis of undermining the ethos. But but other parties went further and say you shouldn't be, even if you're not LGBT plus, um, you shouldn't uh, be able to be um, disciplined for your religious beliefs or so on. And essentially, um, he voted against it. And uh, you know, as as one of the few people in the in the country that um, you know. Uh, it falls under a minority uh, status. Um, I'm really hurt that he still, um, that he just doesn't, he didn't care. Essentially, he didn't care. I was on the phone to him. I won't reveal what happened on the phone, um, but, because uh, that's not fair. Um, but I am hurt because since then, um, he's actually um, refused to engage in any way with me, even when I'm trying to be helpful. Um, so, I mean, I was actually... <laughs> Madly enough, I just find this, I, I, I kind of really find it funny. I was on TV with him um, a few months ago and he, uh, he just completely blanked me as if I wasn't there. And, you know, I don't know. But anyway, apart from all that, the truth, the truth really is, and to, to be honest with you, maybe I'm just being a bit egotistical here, but the truth is, you know, he, he probably saw the other opposition parties taking the time um, to, you know, to, to talk about this AON thing and just hopped on the bandwagon and in fairness you know as i said ivana bachik did ask questions in the door and look maybe i just look do you know what i i really liked his interactions with norma foley and josepha madigan over the last few years and i imagine i i don't know in a different in a different world we you know if i hadn't have criticized him for what he did in 2015 we'd probably get on quite well and agree on most things and also to be fair why the hell should he care about the likes of me who am i who am i 
maybe I should just get over myself and accept the fact he's the politician and in fairness he's done more than I have in reality when it comes to changing laws I just wish he would have done gone a bit further about that and when he didn't maybe just acknowledge that he failed uh, in that regard I would have kind of I would have accepted it you know However, for me, Aeon isn't the person I found most fascinating in this story. Throughout the last few days, the most contacted agency of all was actually the INTO, the teachers' union. And by Wednesday night, they still hadn't published a statement on the matter. However, people had been sharing their experiences of attending meetings which had been going on for the, for the few days before that, and they were also sharing the template response they'd given to the CEC reps when members contacted them. So basically, the CEC reps were obviously given a template response because all the responses that were shared online were pretty much the same. So do you want to hear what the CEC reps were told to reply uh, to people inquiring about it? The INTO has been aware of this issue since June and the stakeholders were briefed by the NCSC very recently. INTO intend to raise the issue of the workload associated with this requirement at Teachers' Conciliation Council meeting. We are also seeking immediate legal advice in relation to the designation of the principal as an appropriate person by the NCSE. If any school is contacted by NCSE to complete an educational AON and requires assistance, they should contact the education section of INTO head office. INTO will continue to monitor the situation and engage with the NCSE. So that's how we know the INTO have known about it since June and uh, have done nothing about it. But it also doesn't criticise the NCSE's move. If you listen to that again, maybe hit rewind, I won't read it again. Um, according to some INTO members who attended those meetings, they also reported that the INTO said they have not received that many emails regarding the issue. So if Aon Arirdon was out of breath and coming up for air from the amount of emails he was getting... I don't know which one of them is telling the truth, if either. Yeah, sure, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Look, who knows? I can't verify it, but someone reported on Twitter that John Boyle said at a meeting that the INTO had only received 50 emails from 50,000 out of 50,000 of its members. Whether that's true or not, I can only report what's been said, so I can't verify that. But basically what I'm saying is even if he did say that or even he said something or even if they said something along well we haven't received that many um, complaints are we now saying the INTO leadership needed petition to get them to represent their members? If something potentially illegal is being asked of members or an additional workload is being asked of members they won't they won't actually act on it unless they receive enough emails from members. Is that how it's going to work now? Do they only act now when there's some sort of soprano style intervention like we had to do when they tried to send us back to school on the height of the pre-vaccine pandemic I mean honestly you couldn't make this up we all know they've rightly acted on a number of issues which their members haven't raised so why did they not raise this is it that they didn't see any harm in asking schools to do more work is it that they didn't see that this situation was entirely questionable at best illegal at worst did they like do they have to only act when hundreds of people contact their CEC reps instead of actually looking out for these major problems i think it's it's becoming pathetic that this is this is the way the union are acting someone else said and i'm reporting again that he was told there were only 1500 of these cases so they were told this about in the meeting so it won't really affect that many members and again i can only report what i've heard but i know who i believe 
And despite all this denial, yesterday on the Thursday, so sorry, you know, on the Thursday, they did have a meeting with the Department of Education and the NCSE. And I guess by now you'll know the outcome. But I just want to summarise two other responses before I move on. Because by Wednesday, they hadn't said a word. So, for example, if you're wondering, let's say, what NABSME were doing, apparently, according to another uh, principal, they contacted the Department of Education. And if you don't know who NABSME are, don't worry. It doesn't really matter. Very few people know who they are. And in fact, when I posted on Twitter about it, someone who seems to be heavily involved in special education advocacy had no idea who they were either, despite campaigning for years for special education. I bet you're wondering who they are, aren't you? Aren't you? I'm sure some, I'm sure some of you still don't know who they are. They are, the, um, they are basically the representatives of boards of management for special schools and special classes. So this affects them greatly. I bet you're probably also wondering, what did that official representative body, IPPN, have to say? You know, remember I mentioned them just there? Was it any good? Was the response any good? Well, do you know what? I have a bit of time, so I'll let you judge for yourself. Here's what they said. IPPN notes the issuing of information note SE0002-2022 relating to the assessment of needs process and is calling for clarification to be provided in relation to a number of issues that arise. Assessment of need is a statutory process and every child has a right to assessment of their needs being undertaken in keeping with the legislation. Schools have always had the opportunity to contribute to the AOM process. Huh? However, there was no legal requirement to do so as those parts of the Epson Act had not been commenced. The High Court ruled in June 2021 that there is a legal requirement on the education system to provide an assessment of educational needs as part of the assessment of need process. It is the responsibility of the NCSE to nominate an appropriate persons to carry out the assessment of educational needs. So effectively, they're just summarising this whole thing. It kind of feels a bit mansplaining here, but we'll keep going. A working group was established consisting of representatives from the NCSE, NEPS, and the inspectorate and the special education unit. The role of the group was to review the implications of the legal judgment and put in place a process for the assessment of education needs. A report form was developed for this purpose. The report form is to be completed by the nominated person and was designed in line with the stu student support plan. It is envisaged that all the data required to complete the summary report of identified education needs is contained in an individual student support plan. Whoa! It sounds like they're supporting it. Or maybe they're just continuing to mansplain what's happening. I don't know. And sorry, that's harsh. They're not mansplaining. They're actually explaining it quite nicely. I suppose for those of you who don't know what this is all about, that's a pretty good summary in many ways. Anyway, two issues arise for school leaders in relation to the completion and submission of this report form. The first issue relates to workload and the second issue relates to concerns regarding any potential legal liability arising from the sharing of information contained in the student support files. Now they say there's two issues. Let's see what they are. IPPN has liaised with our education partners, because they all are partners, in this regard. On foot of the mutual concerns that have been shared, the Department of Education has called a meeting of stakeholders this Thursday, the 27th of October. The purpose of the meeting is to, sur is to surface and resolve issues that have arisen for schools with regard to this process. 
and clarity will be sourced, sought as to whether any potential legal liability arises for schools and whether schools are assisting in the process of assessment of educational needs or undertaking that assessment, as there is a lack of clarity in the information note in this regard. Confirmation will also be sought that any information provided is on the basis of expertise of teachers and school leaders as educational practitioners and not on any other basis. We will revert to members in due course with any updates or clarifications that are provided. In the interim, we would advise that school leaders should notify their boards of management of any requests from the NCSE for the completion of a report form for the assessment of education needs and the board should seek guidance for their patrons. <laughs> ah, come on. Come, i sorry, I have to stop in the middle of this. Sorry, I'm reading it with that kind of, do you know that, that, that voice of somebody who doesn't really care um, when they're reading an ad on the radio and they don't really know what they're saying? Um, and this is what this reeks of. I mean, come on, the IPPN of all, of all the representatives, and because they publicly say this, as you know, principals should inform their boards of management, instruct their boards of management to talk to their patrons. And they know, they know full well that who, who, you know that the board of management isn't is, is isn't what what happens here. The, the and then the patron bodies. I mean, this this buffer system that we have in place. They know all that. Like, why are they saying? Oh, anyway, come on, we'll, we'll just get on with it. I suppose we'll just read this uncaring uh, sounding uh, thing. As always, members should feel free to contact our leadership support team on this or any other school leadership matter. So, I mean, that's the ne- that's basically what they've said. So effectively, they're not really giving an opinion and they're basically, you know, they're, they're hedging their bets. But this is where it goes a bit weird. The next part of it is, re- I find it really weird. I, I, I just find it really weird. On the wider issue of workload, IPPN's sustainable leadership report will be published in three weeks' time. The current reality chapter in that report deals comprehensively with the issue of workload and it details how the role of school leaders has expanded year on year, with tasks and responsibilities being added with each additional circular, information note or set of policy guidelines at issue. The report also analyzes the nature of these tasks and responsibilities and identifies into which of the domains of quality framework for leadership and management from the Department of Education Inspector of Publication looking at our schools 2016. Sorry, I'm going really quickly because it's really boring. Uh, That analysis highlights a skewed focus on managing the organisation, necessitating a focus on tasks and responsibilities not aligned with our core purpose, which is leading teaching and learning, ensuring the provision of quality inclusive learning experience, we do not provide inclusive learning experience, and delivering better outcomes for our children. The sustainable, it goes on about sustainable leadership, I mean to be fair, look it's not the worst thing they've ever written, but in another way it completely misses the point, and I did laugh when I read the bit on workload. They seem to be absolutely obsessed with this report on principal sustainability, as if it's going to surprise anyone or even make the blindest bit of difference. I mean, do they think when they publish this report, the government are going to read it and they're going to go, oh my god, I can't believe we've been so mean to principals, and then take back all of the workload they've shoved upon us over the last decade. I mean, god, I'll be generous and I'll call them naive rather than delusional. It's just amazing. They think that this report's going to make the blindest bit of difference. And the reason for 
this mess is that children with additional needs are not having their needs met through the AON model. Instead of providing the support, the NCSC is basically asking principals to write a report identifying the needs of these children without any assurance whatsoever that the children will be given the support. I would be happy to take on the workload if it meant the children would get the support. That's what my job is. The core part of my job is to care for the children in my school. And to, and, and the IPPN's job should and the IPPN is to make sure that we're given the tools to do that. It's it's not just about where I don't mind working hard for children. I don't mind it at all. But this oh I, I don't know, they're just they're just they're just kind of annoying. It's just really annoying um, to, to read that kind of thing. But to be fair to them, since the process has now been paused, and I'll come to that, they have released another statement where they said, among other things, and I kind of liked it, the expertise of school staff, and this isn't going to be read in that uncaring voice because you can feel they, they you feel, you feel they didn't really have time to get this put through their PR team because <laughs> there's a bit of a burn to it. Here it goes. The expertise of school staffs has been recognised for the purpose of assisting a completion of an AON. We hope to clarify the same expertise will be recognised in applications for other SEN resources. Ooh! <laughs> That's very funny. I, I kind of I like them again a bit more after that. So basically, yeah, you look, um, I, it's, um, they basically said, like, you're being, we're being asked to do this, uh, but we're not trusted to do other things when it comes to SEN resources. Anyway, a bit of burn there from the IPBN. Nice to see someone's blood is boiling, anyway, to get that one through. Look, I have no confidence that filling in this form will do anything to make that happen. I believe that the only benefit of filling in this form will be to let the HSE and the NCSE off the hook from their legal responsibilities. Until I can be assured that this isn't the case and have an absolute guarantee that the NCSE is going to start providing schools with the staff and resources they need, I don't see any benefit to these forms. And to me, that's the point of all this. Why are we doing something? Why are we being asked to do something that is of no benefit to children? Why are we letting the NCSE off the hook for a decade-long abuse of schools and children? Why are we letting them away with years of being told to prioritise the greatest level of need? Because what we've really been asked to do isn't to prioritise the greatest level of need. What we've been asked to do is choose what children don't get support. All children should get the supports they need. We shouldn't be asked to choose which ones do. Why are we about to allow them to neglect thousands and thousands of children? And what do we have to, and what do they have to say for themselves in that matter? Well, yes. I mean, the one agency I haven't mentioned so far is the NCSE themselves, the agency at the centre of this scandal. Well, the answer is simple. They have said absolutely nothing. I've checked their website, I've checked their Twitter feed, I've checked everywhere I can, and all they have done is talk about an upcoming research conference and they've advertised some new positions. And really, it just isn't good enough. And if I were the Minister for Education, I'd be asking them to respond to the many, many questions that everyone has been asking for over a week, and they haven't even had the decency to acknowledge. And that's where you might think the podcast would have ended if it weren't for one final twist to the saga. And that twist to the saga was yesterday morning, the Thursday morning, when the INTO tweeted kind of shortly after I had, um, I, I, I suppose, shortly enough after um, I'd, I'd written most of this. And they said, 
Following an intervention made by INTO News in response to the Department of Education Information Note 2 2022 Assessment of Need, the Department has convened a special meeting for this afternoon. We will make a statement following this meeting. And despite having spent the week telling their members this wasn't much of a big deal and despite telling their members they hadn't really heard very many concerns from their members all of a sudden they were making an intervention and i love how they used the word intervention now i'm not egotistical enough to think that this had anything to do with me and my kind of line that i use all the time the soprano style intervention that i'm always going on about but it's kind of nice to see them aping my language, even if it was inadvertently. And I did, I, 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 I did laugh when I saw it, not because of that, but because of the sheer arrogance of the tweet. They actually were taking full credit as if they had made the push to meet the Department of Education. The only reason they arranged that meeting was because of the likes of Trina Golden, Rachel Martin, and Dunica O'Leary. Like Aona Reardon, they too jumped on the party wagon after the party had started. So there you have it. That is uh, the end of part two of this episode. Um, I'll be playing the final part, which will be part three, of where this ended up, uh, the final part of this debacle over a week and uh, hopefully a bit of an insight into how the politics of education works with uh, people trying I guess to get one up on each other or to undermine each other or to do whatever to each other I don't really understand what people do and what their motivations are but anyway I hope you enjoyed this part um, <laughs> largely overtaken by a very long IPPN statement I'll grant you but um, anyway as I said I hope it was of some use uh, next Next time you uh, tune in, we'll be finishing up with what happened next and what have we really learned from all of this, if anything. Thanks so much as always for listening. Catch you next time. All the best. Bye bye.